0: Network.
1: Hi, this is Devon Trag with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of the Nerd Herders. We hope you enjoy the show. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerd Herder!
0: I'm a nerd, and uh,
1: I'm pretty proud of it.
2: too white nerdy think i'm just too white nerdy can you see i'm white nerdy Look
3: at me and white nerdy
0: we are we are we are the nerd herders who's scruffy looking Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nerd Herders. Uh, this is episode 125. Uh, I'm Andy Howard. Tonight, I am joined by Justin Steno-Alex. Yeah, hello. Uh, <laughs> Ian, I don't know. Ian, you called it Clark? <laughs> Present. Matt <laughs> Alex. Oh, that's me. And Dave Farr. Hello, We'll work on that intro, uh, and hopefully by episode 135, uh, we'll be a little bit smoother there. But uh, again, Sh- we're the... Sh- no, it
1: no, serves, us, serves us right for trying to try something new. Oh,
0: yeah. Especially on a Sunday night. Um, but uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us tonight. Um, I want to find out a little bit about what everybody's been up to since our last recording. Uh, so let's hop right over into Roll Call.
3: Pew, pew. All the wings reporting. Red leader standing by. Gray leader
0: standing by. Green leader standing by.
3: Luck has files and attack positions.
0: All right, we'll uh, we'll go in the order that I have on my little spreadsheet here. So we'll start with uh, Stino. Uh, what are you so, dying to tell the world?
4: So since our gracious host has. Uh... Limited us to one thing a piece. <laughs> what do I got? There's so many good things. I'm going to go with uh, I bought a not-too-expensive 3D printer. Um, a resin one, not a filament one. And I have mostly for Battletech, because uh, a couple weeks ago, last time we recorded, um, Ian mentioned that we're getting pretty heavy into ba- uh, Battletech. And I've wanted a 3D printer for a long time, just as like a hobby to get into. And I've printed out at this point at least a dozen mechs. Um, I'm really enjoying it
0: that's cool I am, um, that, I'm saving up because I want to buy a better um, printer as well okay. um, and if you ever want files I've I've bought a bunch uh, through Kickstarter so I have a lot of nice. cool different terrain, I have some sci-fi ones um, that you might even you be have... able to scale for some of your uh, Battletech stuff
1: do you have the Dragonlock stuff? did you get that one? yep, yep. cool
4: yeah, we got a
2: bunch too, Steeto, which you're always welcome to. Ryan can share whatever you want.
4: Nice. Yeah, yeah um, so it, like I said, it's a resin one. Um, it comes out at pretty good detail. I'm looking at one of the mechs I made now, and I showed one to Ian um, last Tuesday, I think it was. And it does do pretty good detail. Like you can do D&D quality minis and stuff. So um, I'm having a lot of fun with it for sure.
2: What would you get? What What brand?
4: It's called an elegu Mars. Um, it's on. it was on sale on Amazon it was not a, that expensive at all um, and the resin is only like 20 bucks a bottle which has given me over 15 minis and a couple failed prints too um,
0: wow that's yeah. cool
4: yeah I'm really having fun with it
0: yeah I'm looking to upgrade to something that's even more simple I like, I like the Prusa but there's a lot of fiddling with it uh, I think it's better for people that are a little bit more engineering inclined, which I'm just not <laughs> yeah So, uh, I'll go next. I had something that was... It actually was just this last Tuesday. um, Our friend Rafe Granger asked if uh, I could come up to Portsmouth to do game night, uh, which worked out well. Um, He's also my lawyer, so I needed to talk to him about a few things. Um, But he convinced me to play Magic the Gathering. Um, Him and Doc uh, had bought the Commander decks... The the 2019 ones. I was like, I don't know. Um, I was like, all right, I humored them. I bought one. I had a blast. Um, And I usually do not have fun playing Magic. Um, But these, since they're self contained. decks, and they're designed to play against each other. Uh, I had a I had a great time with it, to the point where I would be willing to... like I was thinking about picking up the other three that go with the 2019 set to have for Nerd Herder's Winter Retreat, because I know Dave likes to play Magic. I just I can't get into the drafting things, because I just don't know what to pick. So having a pre-made deck for me, they're all multicolored, they have a cool kind of uh, element to it. Have you ever played Any of the commander ones, Dave?
2: Yeah, yeah. I have a deck sitting in my little Magic stack. Yeah, I could bring. Yeah, I mean it's a homemade one, but it's uh, just—I don't remember when it got into the group that I was playing with. But I made a deck, and yeah, it was fun.
0: Well, I didn't really. Yeah, because they've been doing it for years, and it's specifically designed to play like up to four people. Like, in fact, Rafe didn't really tell me that until afterwards. Actually, I don't think he ever told me. Uh, It's designed to play. And and he's sitting at the table,
1: like, who are these other two people?
0: Yeah. Right. Well, no, no, there was no one else there. But I, what I read afterwards, because it was, it was Rafe was playing was, three decks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because it's 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 so it's so many cards, and it's in the way the rules are written, it, it keep referencing like multiple opponents. So I was like, all right, I guess it can scale up, but no, it's designed to specifically be more than two people playing. So I thought that was fun. I really generally don't like because when it gets into drafting and trying to figure out or somebody builds me a deck and it's the, based on their style of play, I don't get it. But with these commander decks, especially the newer ones, you have, you know, three kind of legendary monsters that you can use as your commander. Um, so it, it ha- each one of those has its own little play style that is built into the deck. So it's, it's well thought out, which it made it fun for me because I didn't have to overthink picking, cards in a kind of a draft or anything like that or worry about how someone else built a deck so i had fun with that i like magic yeah no that's why i like that's why i was so surprised um so ian i think you probably have the the biggest kind of uh piece so why don't you go next
1: well i started a new job is that not what you wanted me to
2: Nah, there goes know. all your free gaming time. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, you can tell us about the new job. That is it. Anyway. That was your
2: one. So, yep. all right. You got to <laughs> yeah, stick with it.
0: You yep. All right. You're out. Aw. Can I have another one? You can have another one this Yay! month. Yay. Only because you started a new job.
1: Yay. Also, uh, it's our sponsor. <laughs> uh, so, we had our Lake Geneva. Classic RPG retreat for Geek Nation Tours, which uh, I had built with Terrace Cassidy, and, and I was the guide. On the tour, Terrace came along, mostly because Terrace wanted to go on the tour, um, but also obviously a huge help to me and kind of showing me the ropes. Uh, But yeah, we spent a a week in Lake Geneva. It was absolutely amazing. Um, Played D&D in the original Gygax house, played D&D in the horticulture hall where Gen Con started. Um, Just an amazing experience. We had people from all over the world. We had four Australians with us. We had um, uh, people from all over the U.S., and it was just an absolutely amazing experience. Everybody bonded, uh, came away as as friends, and just had some fantastic adventures together. And uh, it, it went incredibly smoothly. Uh, everything we could have asked for. We even ended up with some bonus stuff where some other people uh, came along because we had uh, Ernie Gygax with us. We had uh, Jeff Leeson, who uh, co-wrote Hidden Shrine of Timotian. And we had Jim Ward, who did Metamorphosis Alpha, which was the very first sci-fi role-playing game ever, and he also did Gamma World. And so we had them. But then they're like, "Oh, Harold Johnson's in town," and he was the other co-author of Hidden Treasure. It's like, "Oh, I can call Mike Carr." Oh, Tom Wong wants to come by. So we had all we had like extra like TSR and D&D luminaries that came by just to hang out and be a part of the tour, which was. Uh, which was just, it was awesome. So the entire experience was amazing. We're already locked in for next year. I think maybe as many as half of this year's guests, um, like tour the people that were on the tour with us, I, I think as many as half or more may come back and do it again. So um, so it's going to fill up fast already. But it was just amazing. So I um, cool. just want to thank Terrace for the, for the opportunity and, and thanks to everybody that went on the tour because we, we just had an amazing time and it was everything I could have
0: hoped for. I just have one quick question. So you posted a lot of pictures, so did Terrace. There's one picture where there is more meat than people. Uh, <laughs> what was the story there?
1: So that was our first night. Uh, Terrace wanted to cook steaks for everyone. And there was – there was yes, there was too much except that we ate that steak the whole – like the next few days too. Like Like we cut it up and had it just like – Cold as a snack, like at the table when we were playing or people made sandwiches with it. So yeah, Terrace made some awesome, awesome steaks uh, for the welcome dinner. And then, yeah, we, we just, um, it was very much, I was telling Terrace, it was very much like our first Nerder's winter retreat. We bought way too much food. Um, and so next year we'll have it kind of honed down a little better, but but it was funny. We bought way too much of some things and then other things we had to go out and get more of because we ran out of, but um yeah, we uh we ate well. That was that was certainly not uh, an issue. Yeah, the there, just oh go ahead, Stino.
4: Was there a bagel incident or
1: anything? Uh like nope, no bagel incidents. Everyone Were was, you counting steaks? No, everyone it was a free for all. Everyone could have whatever they wanted. No there was no rationing of bagels or anything like that. Everyone everyone there was plenty for everyone. <laughs> yeah, just had Oreos? Uh no, we had regular Oreos though.
0: That sounds great. Uh, I'm glad that went well. It looked like you guys had uh, had a lot of fun out there.
1: Yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing experience. And I when I rolled my... Uh, a lot of people rolled a bunch of dice on the Gygax Memorial Stone at the fountain. Uh, I just wanted to roll my, my favorite D20. Uh, I rolled a 12, but then the rest of the week... Playing playing D and D and um well actually not I was gonna say Game of World Metamorphosis Alpha but those are D six uh, anyway playing D and D the rest of that week with that D twenty it
0: rolled so many twenties it was crazy yeah got a little uh, you scuffed off the edge there on the twelve uh, yeah well I'm I'm not gonna get Meanwhile, into the science in
3: the future I'm... games Ian will be killing all PCs he's DMing
0: yeah. yeah there's only one he only has one more chance for that yes but we're not all right Matt and matt you can uh, matt i'll let you have uh two if you want only because you weren't around for our uh our last month where we kind of did a a recap of what we had been up to but um why don't you go next
3: so i haven't really uh played any board games recently it's mostly been mini games which i think is kind of the same for most of us lately a lot of 40k but we're starting to play work right now um which has actually been a lot of fun so far. I only play one game, but it's it's a pretty neat little system.
0: Is Warcry the uh, fantasy version of Kill Team? It is way better than Kill Team. Okay, it
2: is. I would agree, it is, but it is better.
0: Oh, Same you thing, played
2: two yeah. better. Yeah, I've played uh, two games so far with two different factions. It's um, it's good.
1: Yeah. What factions have you played, Dave?
2: Um, I played um the beast guys untamed uh, beasts yeah untamed beasts and then i iron played the... golems, right? Sorry, i didn't play the iron golems i painted the iron golems Ooh. uh but i played greg's team um
3: oh the uh cypher lords, Fancy cypher pants. lords. yeah <laughs>
2: i do own iron golems now and they're all painted and ready to play um actually here. We'll do something exciting like Nathan Fillion. I'll snap a pic and put it on the Facebook page
0: right now. Nice. Oh. nice. Sounds good.
1: Dave, <laughs> if you wish to come to DCC early tomorrow, Justin and I are probably going to play Warcry and we will have our Warcry stuff.
2: Oh, cool. I don't have terrain yet, but um, yeah, I'll come down and if there's a chance, I'll play. for sure. <laughs> Oh, They or don't run. have terrain either.
1: No, we don't have it. Um, I'll maybe bring some Mordheim stuff or something.
2: Yeah, well, figure something out. I was thinking about picking up uh, the one of the sets, so maybe I'll swing by. Anyway, we'll figure it out. You can you can play without it; it's not critical.
0: Yeah. The, the reason I was asking about that, Matt, is I um, I actually um, was reading about how to get kids into 40k because I really want to try to start playing with Owen, and they suggested Kill Team. Um, so I, I know you can get yeah. the starter rules, but I, I went out and bought uh, the digital copy of the book just to have the rules. Um, and I was looking online at just picking up some, you know, cheap tokens and stuff, but I figured that'd be an easy way for me and Owen to start playing that. But, um, I don't know if I'll do the fantasy stuff only cause I want them to get into 40 K and not fantasy, but we'll see what happens.
3: The Age of Sigmar one is, uh, uh the Warcry,
2: I think, is a little easier than, uh, to build a force in the, fort than the Kill Team one.
3: Okay. Um, yeah,
2: I would say it, it's funny, because I have the same feeling, but, um, I, I would rather play sci-fi than whatever, yeah, it, but this game is super playable.
0: Yeah, I, f- well, I figure, too, with Fantasy, I, I have Frostgrave, I also have, yeah. um, the uh, Warpath, um but the one from Kings of War there um Vanguard Vanguard yep I have that rule set too so
2: yeah cuz um, we promised to play remember you and I
0: yeah yeah <laughs> But I I get to game with you so often, Dave. You know, I got I got you over to my house once, and I played one game that both of us wanted to both of us wanted to play. So you know what went... though,
2: because um, I know we're gonna just completely derail the show. But we we should just we should make a habit of trying to get the boys together because if we could yeah. get the all four of us to play even that game, yeah, right, that could be a nice little tradition.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm up for that. All right, so that's a good segue, Dave. Uh, what, what what's your uh, roll call for the month.
2: All right. So, um, I'm going to combine my one <laughs> to two from two. Cause they're super <laughs> closely related. Uh, and we already talked about one, which is Warcry. I just wanted to throw a shout out. I, um, Greg ended up buying the starter box. And, um, so I got his iron golems for 35 bucks, which I thought was pretty fair. Um, I had kind of a quiet week. So I painted them all up <laughs> in like two days. What do you think Matt I got ripped off?
3: Uh by five bucks, so not bad.
2: No, yeah. And uh yeah, I I sent him the price, so I feel very happy with it. Um that's and, all that matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um and then the other weird thing is I've never played. I've like played like an hour of an MMORPG. I've never really played any of them, but the guys have all been talking about classic. Wow. And Rafe being Rafe bought me a 30 day subscription was like, listen, if you use it great, if you don't, I don't care. And, um, so I was like, well, I might as well at least try it. And I have to admit like the, it's the, it's the original release. So they like, they like re-released it as all the original stuff. Um, and it's really fun. Like the graphics, are like hold up in terms of like kind of the the cartoony feel but i've i've logged some wow hours and um i have to admit i, I could see the appeal i can see also how it is a life-sucking drain on your time but um but it's fun so yeah That's,
0: yeah Rafe mentioned that to me that he got you uh sucked in that but yeah that's uh that's an interesting one and we'll see yeah. we'll see where you are in another three months with that dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, i'm trying to sucker me back into he's like oh blah blah blah. I was like I played it I don't
1: I don't care but... plus plus i I'm gonna sneak in another one I'm playing battle tech that game's awesome. Well Rafe
3: Rafe usually sticks with it but Greg every two months is done with the video game anyway.
2: Yeah Ryan logged in for a week and then kind of was like uh he's like there's literally every everything I've done like multiple times but for me, it's all brand new. I've never done anything. I, I don't know what tanking is. I mean, I do now, but and I didn't know what tanking was or DPS or so it's been kind of fun. Like every and then this last week we had uh for work, I had to sit on my headset for eight hours a day listening to a workshop. So there were 12 people in a room and like 15 of us on the phone just listening. Ah. So, I just sat there listening with my screen up, you know, running around playing the game. I didn't have sound or anything, but you don't really need it in this game. And um, and <laughs> I was like, a what? lot about a game. It's not an immersive experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was sounds. like, hey, I got like twenty four. Uh, I'm the same level as Rafe, and he's been playing for three months. Which also, I don't think he's <laughs> the fastest leveler, but um,
1: he's always baking shit. That's why. Yeah. Or,
0: yeah. That's his Latro one.
1: I know, but I, I still I, I envision that carrying over. It's
0: not. <laughs> yeah, he's then, still Rafe. It's
2: funny because, and obviously, I love Rafe, but he'll he'll be like, like I'll jump on for like you know I'll have an hour and I'll be like, all right, I'll go do this thing and go back. Rafe's like, hey, you want to do a dungeon? And then like maybe an hour later, you're coordinated and together <laughs> and ready to go. Um, so he takes it. And I I haven't played with Greg, but I can imagine Greg's even like, oh, no, if you hop over this hill and jump twice, you can shave three seconds off your travel time. But
3: a funny um, sort of talking about playing multiplayer with other people. Do you guys remember when the first Borderlands came out? Yeah. And when you played multiplayer, when the loot dropped, it was only like one piece of each thing. Yeah. And in Borderlands 2, they made it so everybody could pick it up. Greg and I played with Will and his cousin John once. We didn't even see the loot hit the ground. <laughs> they get they, they were like, it would be instantly gone. They'd be like, Oh, I don't want this, and the throw it away. We have to we get a chance to look at it.
0: That's funny. Yeah, the good old days, the good old days of looter shooters.
1: I'm uh, I'm distracted. I have to ask a question, Dave. What is your picture? What's your profile picture?
0: Uh, I don't know. It, it looks
1: like a, a sky like view a, of a city or
0: something. Yeah, I
4: think it's that game, that prison game. Is oh, it?
0: yes, yeah, that prison architect, prison architect, game, architect right? game. Oh, okay. All right, it's just the resolution is terrible yeah
2: oh yeah it is all
0: right (laughs) all right that'll uh that'll wrap up roll call Uh, that'll do pig that'll do big uh that'll wrap up roll call for this month and we'll move on to thunderdome thunderdome
2: simple get to the weapons use them any way you can i know you won't break the rules
0: there aren't any all right welcome to thunderdome where this uh month uh i wanted to discuss um 40k and specifically some of the things related to eighth edition um i wanted to focus more on kind of the the positive um, with this but obviously we'll we'll try to talk about some of the things that we may not like as much Uh, but for whatever reason to me this edition seems to be the one that resonates with our group better than previous editions now i did not play the earliest editions of 40k um i really came in probably at the end of fifth uh saw sixth and seventh um but this one to me just seems to resonate um and again i wanted to i know i have my kind of reasons why I think it's working for me and maybe for our group, but I also wanted to kind of see what you guys um, thought as well, so that we'd have a fun little discussion about uh, this edition of uh, 40K. Um, I'll start it off, um, and then I'll let you guys kind of jump in uh, as well. Uh, one of the things that um, I noticed, I had written down better codexes, um, and I've By that, I think what I meant was that there were more kind of options in there. But what I realized is one of the things they did with this edition that they hadn't done with any other edition. I went back and I looked at all the codexes that had ever been released and when they were released. When 8th edition came out, the moment it came out, there were updated codexes for almost every single army. um, Because they released those, the Index Imperium 1 and 2, Chaos, Xenos 1 and 2. So right off the bat, every single army had an updated codex, which they had never really done in previous editions. And some, I was looking back, some people were getting their updated codexes the year before it moved to the next edition. So it would have been yeah. like two or three years without one. And I wonder if the fact that you, when you moved to eighth, everybody could play had something to do with its popularity.
3: Well, the thing, part of it, too, is that um, with previous editions, the CODES is kind of all worked. It could still work. Like, your your 4th edition Eldar CODES could work in 5th edition. Not very well, but it still quote-unquote worked. Rules-wise. Yeah, rules-wise. Now, with an entire change to the game... Vehicles. Well, just vehicles, the way that they change weapon skill, ballistic skill, yeah. you know, wound stuff, everything had to change, so... It, I think I think you're right that that's a good, that it worked out much better, but it was because of they completely changed a lot of base parts of the game.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. But it, to me, it's also seemed that they were willing to say, like, we're going to give everybody kind of a new start because I think, because I, I prefer to play casually, but a lot of the YouTube channels out there and discussions are all about competitive. And I think you set everybody at, kind of the same kind of level playing field when everybody's kind of rules and codecs are brand new on day one um and i know you can add you know things started to change kind of over time but it just seems to me that you know having having everybody get to start off on that that stable footing um gave everybody uh, a great way (coughs) to get back into the game i agree Uh, yeah And then I think, Ian, you put on there too something about uh, the Codex supplements as well.
1: Yeah, uh, something that I've been really happy with is just the... they haven't ignored or, you know, in the past you would get like a few things here and there. Maybe in in White Dwarf you would get a chapter-approved article or there'd be a page here or there in the Codex for uh, all the, the founding chapters. And now they're each getting their own sort of mini codex, the codex supplements they're calling them that really are awesome because they not only give you rules and and things like that that make your chapter stand out but you also get much deeper lore and fluff for them if you want to read that stuff too but plus you get the um you know the great art galleries of the uh painted minis you you get to see just tons more stuff specific to the chapter that you play and and all of us on this podcast play uh, you know a specific founding chapter so now we've all got our own codexes and you know some in the past have had them blood angels and and dark angels and all that but now you know i'm a white scars player and i have a i have a codex for them you know dave plays salamanders Andy plays iron hands you know we've all got our um our specific codexes now and i i think that's fantastic
0: and i think I think they do that for more than just Space Marines, too. I know that there's, you know, if you look at um, even some of the Eldar, the and, it, you know, they're trying to break it out a little bit. It's interesting that you mentioned um, Chapter Approved. So I didn't realize Chapter Approved did not always exist, or existed, and then went away for a really long time. Um, and I thought that might be another thing about 8th edition, that is making it more popular is that they're more willing to listen to kind of the community um, and make it a game that kind of lives and grows as opposed to having to be kind of revamped uh, after a certain period of time. Because I was looking, and again, I don't remember as much from sixth and seventh, but I was looking to see. Old chapter approved, and it looks like chapter approved stops after third for a while and then starts up again with eighth, yeah, yeah, so they like to me chapter approved is that 's where they 're making their corrections, like in the past, I think they just waited to release new codexes and you had to wait you know for a codex, which could be you know years in between um, and i think I think that listening to the community might also have something to do with. You know how how the game changes um, and makes that well, makes I, it a better living game.
3: Yeah, I mean at this point it's been what two years. Yes, since it came out and yeah. everybody has a codex. They already they've redone Chaos Space of Space Marines already.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it came out in June of 2017, um, and in that period of time, yeah, we've got. I think it's twenty-two codices that have come out now. Some of them are doubling up again already, um, but they're on a pretty regular schedule for oh, that. Yeah. Um, and going back and looking, so that was the other thing too. Is I wanted to see is it the fact that there are kind of more individual codices that were out there? Like, you know, going back even in in sixth you or sorry seventh you had a ton of codices, but if you 7th came out in 2014 but um you, some of these don't get a codex for a year and a half uh or almost up to kind of 2 years 2 years later um which is crazy um that they waited that long for you know to release um kind of those those other kind of popular uh, armies to get their codex
2: yeah i will say as just a counterpoint, because I I will say I love the the version, and I think they're doing a great job, but with some things they they're it's still the same old GW right like like Space Marines are awesome when they release new models that's awesome but like if you look at the Tau they did give a Codex relatively quickly but they didn't really release. Um, too much that was new they re-released a few of the same models but as um like re but like tau got super boring because there just wasn't anything new the you know if he, they only had one viable army list which was to take a bunch of suits you know you can't play them as like a gun line which is kind of how the tau originally came out um but again, like the Salome, I, I've been loving the Codex. The material they're putting out is amazing. The models have always been the best in the industry, and the game is really tight and fun to play. But um, you know, it's still there are still a few factions that I think if you want to play, you know, you're you're kind of hamstringing yourself.
1: Yeah, I would, that, I would. add the. Sorry, no, I go, ahead, no, say, go ahead. I would add the Necrons in there as well. They've they've had they had one new model in the new edition and that's a new Cryptek. uh,
3: Tyrannids had no new models at all.
1: uh, Yeah. And none of us play Tyrannids. So I don't, I don't know much about them, but yeah, Necrons are kind of in that same boat where they, I've had good success with them and I, I enjoy playing them and I, uh, I have a fully painted army. So that's, that's always, um, Nice to do as well, to be able to get a fully painted army on the table, but uh and I just kinda play the way I want to play and that's not the way, you know, the meta is. But even in the meta, they're not the tournament scene, they're they're not super successful. So I'm I'm hoping that as New, You know, we continue to get more Space Marine stuff, and I get that because Space Marines are the bread and butter, and pretty much everyone that plays 40K has a Space Marines army, so I get that they're going to keep doing that, but I I hope that some of the other, uh, you know, Tyranids, Tau, Necrons, I hope some of those armies get a little bit of love when it comes to new... um, new units, even new models. I mean, the Necron, I like the Necron, basic Necron Warrior models and the Immortals and stuff, but they're, compared to other GW stuff, they're way out of date. They're from the 90s, and they're, you know, they they could really use an update. So um, so I hope that now that Sisters of Battle is coming out, which is awesome. People have been wanting that forever. I, I hope now they'll start to do something with some of those armies that haven't gotten much love.
0: Yeah, so what's interesting, Dave, is I know you mentioned the Tau is not being competitive. They're actually in the top ten a lot of times. Um, they actually people have been doing well with those. But Ian's point about top ten the of drones,
2: like eleven factions, though
0: they're they're doing better. No, they're doing <laughs> the, better. Than the space last dreams. G, the last big GT a Tau player won.
3: But it's yeah. like you were saying, it's three Riptides and you know, yeah, it's it's, it's the and same
0: tons list. of drones. Yeah, yeah, and again, the, the, I, I think, but to Dave's point. You can build a competitive Tau list, but in terms of kind of fluff and having fun and being more narrative, I think that's a little harder to do with Tau uh, than it is with some of the space marines that each got kind of their own individual chapters.
2: Yeah, and take my other army, which is IG, right? I specifically play Death Corps, but even playing Death Corps, I have a ton of flexibility that I can bring like a fun troop list. I can bring a Titan. I can bring, I can build a a tank list, right? Like they just have a lot of flexibility. And again, I'm not trying to rip on, you know, GW because at the end of the day, they've got money to make and they've got to remember, okay, who's going to support all these products, right? Like they can't, they can't flood the market with so much new stuff that, You know, it's not fair to the game stores to have to try to stock all this stuff. And you've got a very temperamental buyer. But I'm just saying, like, if if you want to play a few of the main factions, the the models are amazing. I just got a brand new Salamander Commander released. So, you know, I'm super excited about all that. But again, I didn't even know Tyrannus didn't get new models. And I always think of them as like one of the primary factions.
3: Now uh, they, as far as competitive goes, they kind of blow. Um, yeah. But anyway, with this new campaign thing they're doing, the psychic awakening, every faction is supposed to get something. So we'll see what
0: happens. Yeah, That'll be interesting. Yeah, I already read some of the new rules for that um, in terms of what they're doing with like the space Marines and stuff. It and is stuff.
3: pretty cool with the next, the book that comes out next weekend, you can make like um, master librarians, master chaplains, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Anything, wait, what are the Necrons getting? They don't even have, I mean, the Satanists. Well, like so each book
3: run. is like two factions at a time, two or three factions at a time getting something. So you have to wait till the book with the Necrons and it comes out.
0: Oh. But again, I think that's where they have to, they have to change maybe some of the fluff for the, the Tau and the Necron to make kind of this psychic awakening. Because that's the other thing too, is like, where are they are going to go with orcs who, you know, is, is it truly, do they truly use the warp, or is it, you know, they're kind of their their warg? Like... Oh, yeah,
3: orcs have, orcs are, the weird thing about orcs, if you start to read, like, older stuff, is they all generate psychic power.
0: Right. Yeah. But again, that's, but how does that fit in with how the Eldar do it, and how, right. you know, space marines do it? But yeah, I, I, I do think it is interesting that we haven't, you know, we're, and again, I wonder if it's based on you know, if they're doing some behind-the-scenes metrics to see, you know, people are still buying Space Marines, you know, let's let's give some variety to those Space Marines so people keep buying those models where, you know, there's already a good line of kind of um, tyrannid stuff out there, and there's not a lot of... Most of the tyrannid customization is going to come through how you paint it, you know? There's not... In terms of fluff and stuff, you're not going to see as much of that. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I think the thing they're doing right is they're willing to be a little bit more flexible. Um and they will do things like chapter approve to to fix things, to make things better, um, so you can eventually get, you know, to a place where every one of the different factions out there has a good set of rules and models.
3: Well I think that's my thing for this edition is that, like, you know, a, a, about a month after a codex is out, right, they have an update to the rules in the codex. And then every year, they do updates to point costs, right? So, yeah. it sort of, try, they try to keep it balanced more so than previous editions where once in a while they do a points cost adjustment or something like that.
0: Yeah, Well, I like that because that, yeah. that means that their competitive scene can stay competitive, um and you can have uh, you know a variety of you know winners and losers out there uh, again the ones that make it to the top you know, top stay have a tendency to stay up there for a while but you know it, i think it does benefit those armies that have a little bit more flexibility like dave mentioned the astro militarum and all the different choices that are out there or uh, D- demons which is those are one and two um but yeah, the fact that they're willing to make those changes to, to rebalance points and to write new rules, I think that's a big, a big. Well, win.
3: what they did that I thought was interesting with the Space Marines in their new Codex was they did the whole thing where it was like, okay, so you here's all a bunch of chapter traits so you can make your own chapter, right? The the minor chapter traits or whatever they call them. Yeah. But then when with the first book from the Psychic Awakening, they did the same thing with the Eldar, so the Eldar can do that now too. So it'd be interesting to see if every faction got to do that
0: oh because that yeah, because you that would be neat with Tyranids. that would be neat with like different steps for tau um, and being able to kind of build build that out and have a little bit more flexibility and customization
3: and the great thing is when they do that, the tournament players break it immediately and then they update it later.
0: yeah oh, yeah, because the iron hands got updated within a month because people basically the moment it became tournament legal, people broke it. And then yeah. went back and fixed it right afterwards. Yeah. So, so I think um, you know we talked a little bit. I think a lot of that conversation revolved around um, changes to how they have released codexes and their willingness to do that. I know that both uh, Justin and Ian commenting on um, rules in a sense and how that that was a major change to the rules. Um, and it, it seemed that the biggest thing in there was kind of the, the simplification of it. But, Ian, you mentioned vehicles in particular. What was it about what they changed in vehicles that, that you liked?
1: They gave them the same stat as every other model. You, you didn't have to go through the I, – I always found it tedious to do the uh, – uh you know it, oh did i get a penetration roll it's a, oh no it's just shaken crew shaken blah 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 and and maybe that's a little more fluffy and a little more storytelling wise but it was it was a pain in the ass so just give them a standard stat line give them wounds just like everybody else and uh you don't have to worry about um influencing all...
2: an armor
1: yeah, hull down and, and all that, and, and you could fire all your weapons on a vehicle now, you know, if you move and everything. So it, it, they just, they just made, they made vehicles cooler. They made them easier to use and, and cooler and much more uh, fluffy in how I would imagine, you know, these impressive vehicles to work.
3: Well, I think the biggest thing in vehicles is they made them more survivable. You can't just get shot. You can't get hit with the last cannon once and just die.
1: Right. Yeah, it did, it did do away with the, the one-shot kills.
2: Well, I think I I think there's a match (laughs) plan. Well, that that takes that's
3: a lot of shooting at one thing to get it to go away. He's a league douche. (laughs) Iron hands, you're ready to go.
0: (laughs) I think I I think that's a good point that that's a simple simplification that you may have taken out some of the thematic elements to a vehicle, but in the end, I don't think we were playing. 40k at a level where you know we wanted to get down to the facing you know which like that always drives like any game with facing drives me crazy because someone is going to take advantage it's an argument waiting to happen (laughs) someone's going to take advantage of the fact that I wasn't like I was moving like models quickly and I didn't realize exactly which way I was facing a guy Um, and games with facing always drive me crazy um, i- ca- I completely forgot about that that you could get behind a tank and blow it up with you know a stubber because you know there's no armor on the back of that tank. Um, I forgot all about oh oh my well, gosh yeah. i know
3: I know one of the things that annoyed Ian from before too, which is different now is every single guy in your army in your in a squad can shoot at something different and a tank can shoot each of his weapons at something different if it wants
1: yes, to. that always drove me crazy it 's like oh my you know my space marine tactical squad moves and it's got a missile launcher in it i oh what do you mean i can't fire the missile launcher at a vehicle i have to fire it at what the rest of it makes no sense to me that you've got ultra highly trained troops and i can't split fire that always drove me crazy so yeah now model to model basis shoot it whatever you want way more fun it's that was a that change alone was enough for me right there to be like okay this edition is awesome
0: yeah well it seems like it seems like they cleaned up all of the steps, too, like moving from like how movement went, um, even advancing, right? Didn't that? Because how did advance? It used to
3: happen during the shooting phase. Yeah. Right? It's due to, to the moving phase and to your move. Right. And it was right. only
2: some things, right? Like Eldar could do it, but not everyone.
3: Uh, Eldar could still advance and shoot, but you used to give up your, your, your charge
0: to run. Right, right, right. Because, yeah, advancing was part of the shooting phase and not part of the and not part of the movement phase, which, again, anytime you mix kind of phases like that, and and, um, it also seems to me that the whole uh, charge um, and fight phase is way simpler now, too. I, I know I still get bogged down on, you know, charging directly towards or, or, getting more or kind of engaging multiple groups of models. I, I that's my own problem rocking it, but and they got it, rid of initiative too, which I hated. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: It's
0: yeah. Just, oh right.
2: Yeah. You'd go charge something and then,
1: and then you don't even get to fight first.
0: You might get wiped out before you even fight.
2: Right. That would be like, Oh, sorry. I get 39 attacks first. Like, right. What? Right.
0: Especially with Necrons, Ian, they always had such low initiatives. Like, Oh yeah. Like, you're yeah. a robot. Like, why do you get yeah. low initiative? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I the think robot man down. But but I. What's interesting is those rules, not only for us casual players, seem to make it more interesting. But I think, as Matt has mentioned, you're taking out a lot of the things that you would have had rules arguments about during a competition. So I think you're you're making competition more streamlined so people can focus on playing well rather than having to kind of argue about rules now obviously there's still going to be people arguing about rules Um, I saw a I I don't know if it was a or it was at a I didn't see it personally but I was reading about it afterwards where you know nothing says that a tank can't go on its side like and so people were oh that was like in the first
3: tournament in the very first tournament people were arguing about that
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah because there was nothing in the rules that said the tank has to be flat. Ugh. Like it was because of the whole wobbly model syndrome and everything. It, oh, it was interesting. That's awesome, the- dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, but that's that's what I mean is it arguments were about super ridiculous things like that that were very easy to clear up where I think when you have a more complicated rule set there's a much wider range of people arguing and trying to kind of... I don't see as many rules as written versus rules as intended arguments anymore because I think they simplified the rules. I, know, I don't see those types of arguments quite as much.
3: Well, the rules are four pages now, right? 7th yeah. edition had six pages of the special keywords
0: your rules could have. Right, right that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, JK. so that's... <laughs> Yeah, and again, I think I think in the beginning maybe people, some people didn't like it, but you know, I I think they've done a pretty good job of of cleaning that up. Now, Stino, I know you mentioned simpler rules too. You had something specific around uh, kind of the dice rolling. Yeah. Uh,
4: So last time before eighth, the edition I played was fourth, and if I recall correctly, there was a two two hit table, right? Um, Comparing weapon skills or. Yeah, I think it was comparing weapon skills, um, and you like I, I I know that there was like a formula that you could deduce it to, but I never memorized that, and I'd always have to go to the table, so what I did was I played Space Wolves, so I just gave everybody that I could a piece of Warga that was always hits on three plus, just so I wouldn't have to think <laughs> about it. <laughs>
3: yeah, so for ballistic skill, in every edition previous, it was seven minus your ballistic skill is yeah, what you needed yeah. to roll to hit, and then for weapon skill, you had to compare your weapon skill to your opponent's weapon skill. Even it was four. If you were higher, it was three. If they were higher, it was five. And mm-hmm. then there would actually be areas where you, like, you just could not hit. Or no, that was wounds,
1: sorry. Yeah, you couldn't wound. Yeah. yeah.
4: So I know it's like a little bit of a stupid complaint, but now in this one you just have a straight – you always have a straight weapon skill, ballistic skill. It hits, and then just for wounding it's, you know, are you more, are you more powerful, the same, or less powerful, and it's just boom, boom, boom. It's very easy. Well, um, and it, it
3: speeds, speeds the game way up too because you have to be like, okay, so what's your, uh, what's your yeah, weapon exactly. skill? Oh, let me look it up. Hold on.
0: Yeah. Well yeah. I also think what it does too is it makes it much easier when you're saying add minus when you're when you're talking talking about you know a weapon is better armor is better it just it's much easier to do those adds and minuses and that's also the other thing that changed too is um how AP works as well right because that that got yeah. moved to your save yeah.
3: A P used to just be a number, so it was AP one, there was no armor save whatsoever. Right. And now that now that might would be like uh like a LAS cannon used to be AP two, so now that's just minus three to
0: the opponent's save. Right. Yeah. So that's I, I think and again for like Stino mentioned, for him playing it makes it easier, but then it in a tournament it makes it easier. But that's interesting too, Stino, that you mentions uh building an army that all had hits on three plus because that's one of the things that I think is way easier is actually building army lists oh, uh, I think it, and again, I granted I think technology has come a little ways too in terms of people building you know tools that let you build them, but it just to me it makes more sense how they have they try to structure it like an army would be structured and you have to have certain types of models that fall into certain battlefield roles uh, now I think. Some armies suffer because of the types of models they have in those roles. and I think they're trying to to make some adjustments there where they can, but... um, Yeah, Necrons
1: raise their metal hands again on that. Because, yeah, Necrons have two troop choices. That's it. That sucks.
0: Um, Yeah, but a lot of... It's
1: hard to build a battalion with them, which is, you know, command points, which I love. That's a great thing in the new edition. Um, and, And I know there was some form of it before but but uh i didn't really play much of the previous two editions but um you know so i do like the the different ways that you can build detachments but it it is tough when battalion is the one that gets you the most command points to use in a game um and you're you know you're handcuffed by having only a couple troop choices is a little
0: tough i think there's a there's more than just um the necrons out there too because i think um I was looking at orcs the other day. They really just have boys, uh, boys and, and um, Gretchen, uh, Gretchen, and that's it. Um, and that so there's not a lot of now. Granted, the way those armies are designed, it's designed to do it that way. You want tons of either boys or Gretchens, but those are your only troop choices as well. I think I think the same is. I don't know. I would be curious if to see if Tyranids kind of fall into a similar bag too, where they don't really have a lot of troop choices as well, but. I, I, you, you're never going to get perfect, but I, I, and that's that's another interesting thing is the idea of command points and how they have really, really changed how the game plays as well. Stratagems and whatnot. Well, well, the fact that you you can, your you can modify the game in some way, right? And right. you. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Sorry.
3: No, I was just going to say, you, you know, now you have all these different and they're they're neat abilities that you can. I mean, b- besides just rerolling something or automatically pack a morale test. Right. You can, there's all these neat little fluffy sort of things that you can have your your army do. Yeah. So, and, yeah and, it's a lim- sorry, and it's a limited resource. So you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to use and what you don't want to use.
1: I think I it's an awesome, awesome part of the game the the command points and the stratagems to, like you said, kind of not not bend the rules but augment them to shape your army and and a lot of people build their army to specific stratagems. So um, yeah, I, I think that was a huge addition to the game.
0: Well, I think what it does too is it allows it allows a little bit more flexibility in each of um, the lists that are out there, so that if you're if you're playing a ultramarines list you you may do it a little bit differently you may have the same models as every other ultramarines player but when you use those stratagems is going to start to to matter a little bit as well um and i think that adds an element to it because people when people discuss list building they discuss like how you're going to be able to then leverage certain stratagems uh to win but again for casual players like the fluff that makes that so much more fun. Like you can kind of, all right, this is how this kind of works, you know, because of my armies this way. Um and I do I,
2: think I, it also you, you don't need them, right? Like you can, I, I think there's, you, you can play at like a high level and you can get really into like, Ian, you were saying building around, you know exactly what you want your list and what command points, but you can also just use them for rerolls, right? Like it it scales kind of nicely to how into the game you want to get.
0: Yeah, because a lot of them are still they're they're just giving you an extra like one little extra opportunity that turn. Um, but that's also what like I like that they're trying. I think they're also trying to balance that out by introducing new things like uh, chaplains now have a whole new like chaplains are important again like they redid the with the new space marine codex they redid the litanies and there's even more new litanies that are coming out as part of psychic awakening so they're giving you they're continually giving you more ways of playing um your your armies uh, cuz you can you can write new stratagems but again if you if you don't build a list that has command points then then there's other ways you can do it where they kind of continually add new things to how those armies and stuff work.
3: Yeah, because chaplains were, in the original Space Marine Codex, just uh, re-roll hits in, in close combat. Now they, you can pick, it's almost like Psychic Pirates, right? you can pick from six different things, choose one to use and roll for it to see if it works for the turn.
4: Yeah. Just kind of going back to stratagems and list building and stuff like that, there's also, in this edition you have, um, for uh, Gene Steel cults, you have, like, different cult creeds, or for... Um, uh, Necrons. What is it called? The doctrines, or where you can pick like Dyn- spe- dynasty dynasty codes. codes. Like so, there's a bunch of that stuff where where you can pick like your troops that you have or your units are from this certain division. Like maybe they're from a mining world, so they have this thing. They, they're, they like, augmenting kind of. So Steeler cults, one of the cult creeds is everybody has a 6-plus and brawn will save because, like, they have bionics and stuff like that or like, armor plating. So they kind of added that to the game, which gives a lot of extra, like, fluff and certain stratagems only apply to those guys if you have those guys in your army and just, like, different ways to build lists. And I find that really interesting.
0: Yeah. No, it's – um I think it's been really, you know, a big win. But I was, I was actually looking – because I was I was curious, you know, how long did other kind of editions last um before they did updates? Um and if you if you look um the longest was between third and fourth uh that was six years so it was ninety eight yeah. to two thousand and four uh but it's basically every four years that they've done um a new codex seventh only lasted three years though Um, so we're at, we're at 2017, we're moving into So in the summer of this year, it'll be three years. You know, I don't know that they need, you know, if they continue with the way they're doing codexes and stuff and the way they're doing chapter approved, I wonder, is this, is this rule set going to be around for a little bit longer than previous rule sets?
3: I think they're just going to keep tweaking this rule set, right? Because the, the yeah, like 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 we were talking about seventh edition right the the book was there was so many there's probably 30 pages of rules right now they're just down to four pages of rules so i just, don't think i don't think they need to change the the base rules at all
1: i hope it keeps going i and like you said they just tweak it and continue to to update things and, and because the thing that's always hurt past editions uh, is power creep. New codexes come out, and suddenly that new codex is is way stronger. So I feel like they've done a much better job with that. Greg would, our buddy Greg would argue that Chaos is, with all the new Space Marine stuff, that Chaos Marines are screwed now. Greg but, doesn't um, know how to play. <laughs> but, um so i think they've done a nice job of avoiding power creep and the you know the the faqs and the and the updates that they do really do a nice job of keeping things in check so i would love for them to keep going uh as they are and just continue to to add to the game because this this edition i was keeping track of all of my all of my games for a while and i stopped doing that cuz i just got so far behind on tracking them but i'm i think two more than two years in now I've played close to a hundred games of this new edition, and that is that is more than any other edition. Like combined, I started on third edition, and I played quite a bit when I started. But but other editions, I really, you know, I had that gap when when my kids were young and stuff like that, where I wasn't playing. But I have by far played more games of this
0: edition than than all the others combined. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit too. Um, we've been to- talking mostly about things within the game that have let us play. Do you think there are any outside forces like other things like the fact that we maybe don't do as many board games or um, do you think this was just the right time for minis again? Well, uh, I mean, uh,
3: I think it's it's a good version of the game it's... that everybody that plays in our group actually enjoys playing.
1: <laughs> Dave, did you open a soda?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, I unscrewed a a box. It it, it made a
1: it made a hiss, and and I I prefer my version of it, where you were starting to talk, and then Matt was talking, and then you hissed at him. (laughs) That's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
2: Now I wish I had. (laughs) That's what I
4: heard.
0: Me too.
2: Awesome.
0: (laughs) But you, Matt, that was a great point, Dave.
2: So, uh, psh, Matt, um, no, what I was going to say is I, I feel like kind of the opposite. I think there were a bunch of us that were playing um, a lot of miniature skirmish size games, right? So we had, like, Guild Ball, and uh, a bunch of us were trying to get into, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, Kill Team. and
1: Shadow War Armageddon. For Shadow War, a... yeah.
2: Yeah, Shadow War, and I, I feel like a lot of us had this, like, real itch to play miniatures. We were just having a hard time kind of finding the right niche and then i i don't know i think when i mean i i made the joke i think all of us did that that whole shadow war armageddon thing was like a brilliant little you know hey the first time's free you know it's like you get in for cheap you play a little bit we got a taste for 40k and then they dropped eighth on us and everybody was like yeah let's go you know um i i feel like people were really itching for miniatures and the only other point I wanted to make I don't know if it fits into what we're talking about but the I mean I've seen other game companies are just getting decimated there's just no there's no wallet left gamers are tapped on 40k
3: privateer press for instance
2: yeah privateer press which yeah they I mean they kind of killed themselves but
0: yeah but still they're just people are moving over but again oh go, go ahead Ian Oh, sorry. I was just gonna
1: say. I know. I know we're insulated. We just see, you know, our pocket of gaming here in in New, New Hampshire, and it, you know, there's probably still places where War Machine and that stuff thrives. But I, you know, there there's nobody playing Privateer Press stuff at our local game store. Like like no one.
2: Well, there's no one playing in the country. It's literally like. You can go anywhere and find it for 70% off. They, they, I don't know if you know what they did, but what they've done to try to keep their stuff innovative is they now have a new rule set every three months. So they oh, wow. they do this like, I, I can't even explain it right. There's probably a private press fan will yell at me, but it's like they do these beta rules, people vote, they say what they want to do, and then they release them as like actual rules. And if you leave the game for three months and come back, you have no idea what's going on.
0: Uh, but I, what's interesting about our whole conversation is so seventh edition went from something that was very complex to a simpler rule set. Every time I go back to look at um, Privateer Press, their rule set gets more complicated. Right. Like there's more, there's more stuff. There's more armies that work differently than than the rules. Whereas I think. GW for the first time just said, "Here are the basic rules. There will be some units that can break those rules, but they're not going to have their own rules. They're just going to they're just going to use existing rules in a different, in a slightly different way." Which is what all. Which again, the other one that I find interesting that's gone to like Malifaux, like um, you you continue to to make new rules for each army that came out. Whereas I think most of the time. What we're seeing now with most codexes is armies that they use the basic rules. They just have things that do things better. They just they hit better, or they hit harder, or they move a little bit faster. But their rules are the same. They don't have things that break the rules, for the most part. I agree. Yeah, but yeah, that's an interesting point too, Dave. That I think if GW is doing something right, um, I was I was mentioning I was looking at the kill team stuff. Um, earlier that is totally designed to get you to buy a small number of models and it's almost exactly the same rules as 40k they they have to scale it down a little bit they have to change a few things but it's designed to get you to say hey i like this now what happens if i want to try pushing more models around
3: well and the kill team boxes are perfect because they come with some miniatures they come with some terrain so you might as well get more terrain to build your table up
0: yep and it's interesting too i didn't really get i didn't get into it and i didn't think about it but then they made it easier what happens if i want to do something even bigger than 40k and that's all that armageddon stuff the apocalypse like, yeah, stuff yeah yeah apocalypse sorry yeah apocalypse like they they said all right we'll we'll let you guys scratch that itch we'll do a little bit around that make that easier i don't think they wanted to pump a ton into that but that's another thing like i think they're trying to make sure they're balancing everything from Small squad stuff up to you know massive massive battles if you want to, and having kind of you be able to use the same models and a very similar rule set throughout all of it, so you don't have different rule sets depending on how big of a game you play yeah, yeah. i again i'm I'm excited I think it's awesome that it's that it's kind of here now. I just want to mention one thing kind of off topic just because it came out just this week um the Warhammer Fantasy, the potential reboot of the old world. I just wanted yeah, to kind of get your like that. get your thoughts on on that.
3: I, I think it's going to be because <clears throat> obviously they see people people playing Kings of War with the GW miniatures. So like okay, so we can, you know, it's kind of like how they were saying it's like how hor- the game, the Forge World Horus Heresy game is. It's like that equivalent, right? The old world is the equivalent of Horus Heresy for k So. I think they're probably going to do the thing where okay, you've got all your round base Age of Sigmar miniatures. Here's a tray where you can line them up in ranks.
1: You know what well, I mean? Well, they even showed in the video the square base, so it's like they're. It looks like they're going way, like way back.
3: Yeah. Well, they'll they'll probably release some units that aren't in Age of Sigmar. They'll re-release some stuff and they'll come with square bases because that's for the game.
1: You know? Yeah, and and I miss the old fantasy. Like I, I really back in the Daka Daka days, you know, late. 90s uh, early 2000s when I was playing I was way more of a fantasy player and I, I really I think it was 5th edition for fantasy at that point and I just really enjoyed that rule set and, and the magic and all that and I've come around to Age of Sigmar actually I do like Age of Sigmar um, I don't play it anywhere near as much as, as 40k but I, I do enjoy it but, but yeah I we'll say seeing the potential for the old world stuff to come back had me kind of excited. And they said it's like years away. So don't get too jazzed for it.
3: But. I've said it before. I, nothing looks more impressive than a like 4,000 point Warhammer fantasy
2: game.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It looks amazing. Like looks amazing. Pile troops. Yeah. And, yeah. Huge
2: blocks stuff. But have it's... you ever seen Andy coming out of the bathroom after a shower? Okay. <laughs> oh.
3: Second most impressive thing. Um, <laughs> That's it. but, um, both involve I, a lot of magic. The <laughs> problem with Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy. A little bit of fantasy. <laughs> and why they had to move to Age of Sigmar is that if okay, so Ian, I'm getting into Warhammer Fantasy, how much money do I need to spend to play a regular size point game of Warhammer Fantasy? Thousand you know, several hundreds of dollars because it involves like I gotta paint six hundred models.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was always the t- especially for me who plays i uh, both of my favorite armies are horde armies with skaven and undead so yeah i i always had lots and lots of models so that is that is tough but but it still age sigmar still has i still have you know when i field my skaven and we play 2000 points i still have like 120 150 models on the
0: yes team. but you do not have 300 models anymore true so i also wanted to just to kind of wrap this up to I, GW obviously still tries new things as well. Um some of those things seem to to stick and some of them don't. Um so you had um is it what what's the what was the small scale um one that was set it's kind of set in the fantasy the one, the I know one we had the time design. more time no, no, no. The one where you had the great... Shadespire. 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 No, not Shadespire. What was the other one With you had preset boxes of miniatures? That's Shadespire. Uh, oh, that is Shadespire? Yeah. Yeah. Which is doing very well. Oh, it yeah. is? Oh, yeah. All yeah, right.
1: Just that's one of those things where just because our group's not playing it, you know, that it was feels... curious. Yeah. At, at
3: Myriad, every other... Oh, sorry, at Midgard, every other Sunday, there's probably about 10 to 15 people that play. Oh, wow. They... And at Identicon, there's like 100-person tournaments.
0: That's weird, because I... like they seem to be giving this stuff away at uh, last year's Adepticon. Like, I got... Um, I got some... Um, whatever the rat equivalent uh, in that one is. I guess it is Skaven. It's scaven. That's but, more
2: of, yeah. like, a magic kind of game, though. Like, it doesn't...
1: Yeah, it's got a deck-building aspect. And you you yeah. have a small... You have, like, you know three to seven or eight minis. And, and it's played on a static board.
2: Right. The I'm more intrigued uh, along these lines, Andy, is, like, the... What's the name of the box set? It's called like Black
0: Fortress.
3: Oh, uh, Blackstone Fortress.
2: Yes, the board game. Yeah. So is that like?
1: It's like Warhammer Quest uh, for forty k.
2: Yeah, like I'm kind of surprised that you know we don't have, um, like more interest in those. I, I was curious what you guys think. Like.
1: Matt owns them all, and I, I'm Justin. And I played with him. Like I, I like it, yeah. but those, those, I
3: don't, I don't own uh, Warhammer Quest anymore. The Silver Tower, I don't have that anymore.
1: Oh, but you, have, you have Blackstone Fortress, still, right? Uh,
3: for the time being,
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so I think the thing with those is, it's got to be like when we did our Descent campaign. You, you, because it's more of a campaign type one. I think you've got to commit to it and say, "Hey, we're playing this every other Tuesday until we're done." Um, I I don't think that and the new uh, Warhammer Quest. I don't think those games lend themselves to single sessions. I think you got to really invest and and play uh, play it through, and that's where the the reward for those comes in.
3: Well, the Warhammer Quest game's out of print.
1: Yeah. Oh, is it? Because they still have like thirty of them at um, comic store. I actually had it in my hand the other day, and I was like, I can't afford this right now, but I, I still am drawn to it.
3: What are, What are they selling it for? Uh,
1: one fifty. You can get it cheaper on eBay. Oh, okay. Um, speaking of box sets, too, something not to not to I know we were trying to wrap up, Andy, but uh, it occurred to me that one of the things that I think GW is doing such a great job with uh, for forty k in this new new edition is those box sets. That was somebody doing their taxes. I was yeah, full
3: a piece of paper. I'm actually working while we're
1: doing this. What? Well, thank you, Matt, for joining us while working. The box sets that they put out that are like each one is a, almost like a self-contained starter that comes with and, and they've been coming with models before you can get them on their own too like the the necron cryptek or like the um you know some of the new space marine models and and they're theming these different ones like they had the the space wolves had one and the necrons had one and they put two armies in it and it's a it's an expensive set they're like anywhere from 120 to 170 bucks but you actually get a good value in them for the models you get and i think that's been really smart for them those sets when they come out when those new ones come out sell like hotcakes Assuming well, the other, hotcakes sell well. I, I know yeah. I've, I've <laughs>
3: well, the other thing that. they've been doing, too, is they're releasing smaller starter sets, right? Like, there was a, a first strike set for 40k, which was, like, came out shortly after this edition came out. And it was like, okay, here's, like, you know, five space marines, five Death Guard guys, little board, rules booklet,
1: go for it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's helped them immensely.
4: Yeah, I think they're killing it with box sets because... Like, there's one uh, that you mentioned, the Space Wolves one, Tooth and Claw. So I bought that for the Space Wolves because I've been a Space Wolves fan for a long time. And then I was like, oh, it comes with these to occults, guys. They're pretty cool, I guess. And then, boom, $1,000 on spent on to Occult. <laughs> that's
0: yeah, awesome. Second Army.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. All
0: right. I think that's – again uh, – unless there were other things you guys wanted to add in, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the things that we like, and I know we mentioned some of the things that maybe we could see some, some improvement, but I think, I think overall, I think all of us were pretty optimistic uh, about what, what's going to happen, you know, with this um, going forward. I do have one
4: more thing. Sorry, Matt, just real quick in that, like, I think that's like, I've spoken with people in outside of our immediate gaming group, that we game with every Tuesday to other people in like that play 40 K at um, Midgard. And just so many people are getting back into 40 K or did, uh, especially with the last league that they had there. Cause there were over just in this little league at this game shop in the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire had over 40 players for the, for the entire league. Like sure. Not everybody got their games, but there was so much interest and in people coming back to the game after such a hiatus because the rules were so simplified and they heard so much buzz and they'd really liked what was happening.
3: Yeah, I was going to say sort of the same thing. I mean, we, none of us played in it, but right after 8th Edition came out, they did like a Grow League. They had like 50 people sign up for that. The, the Games Workshop stuff, both Age of Sigmar and 40K, has, has got our local store, Midgard Comics and Games, to just change their name to, what is it now, Midgard Games and Hobbies.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Like d- watching that store change from having comics everywhere to ha- like a majority of their product is related to 40K now. And
3: they're trying to dump all their comics right now. I think and what D&D, is it? Trades dude. are like trades are like buy two get one free or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and D and D's resurgence and, and massive yeah. popularity right now has also helped that. Cause they have a, they have a huge wall of the, you know, the, the minis and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and good for them. They're, they, you know, they've adapted well to, you know, what, what the customer base is buying and they, they do a good job of making sure stuff's there. So, um, yeah, they, it's.
3: They also put the friendly and friendly little gaming store.
0: Yeah, well, I like everybody there. And they but don't I do think, any
3: shady business practices like you know, driving trucks places and taking stock and leaving and.
0: I, I so just talking about stock and inventory though. I think that's something that's interesting as well. Is to me, it seems eh, that GW has changed some of their their policies around that as well for smaller stores in terms of... Now, I know they did some stuff around paint that was a little weird a couple, uh, not too long ago. Um, But it seems like they're trying to be better about how they get product to the individuals that are out there. Um, And again, it's one of those things where if something sticks around, I think it's stores are more willing to take that gamble and have product on their shelves. But it seems that GW does a great job of making sure models stay relevant. Um, like I thought vehicles were not going to be anywhere for space Marines. You know, there were a bunch of different vehicles like the, um, um, the vindic is it the vindicator it's the one with a huge cannon on the front vindicator there. vindicator right i was I, I was all ready to not i i wanted to put that on the list but i was like this has the worst like it, it sure it can hit all right but like who wants to roll 2d3 for damage like for for something like and then it's better if there's a larger group that's something that they they changed with chapter approve it just it does a straight amount of damage now. It doesn't matter how many people you hit with it. So now that makes more sense because I can use that to slant to attack a single model rather than attack a blob of models. Um, you know, they did things with thunderfire cannons. You can like thunderfire cannons. That model hasn't changed in ever uh, as far yeah. as I can tell. But they they added some new rules and now people are putting thunderfire cannons in their lists again. Like most of the Space Marine lists will have a Thunderfire Cannon in it because of stratagems that they put in there and just the, and making... Yeah, they changing, can shoot twice now, right? Right, right. So if a Thunderfire Cannon doesn't move, it can shoot twice. Uh, and then they have another stratagem that allows them to do those Tremor Shells, which makes it harder for armies to move. And in a game where, like, where, you know, positioning and stuff makes a big deal, that's to that's that's have an effect. So they're doing things to make older models more relevant as well yeah cool yeah so i think we're still all really excited about it this is a fun topic for uh for me tonight um because i really wanted to kind of hear what you guys were thinking about it i had some of my own ideas out there as well and hopefully for people listening to it kind of uh was an interesting uh topic um again we we've got a list of things we're going to be talking about um over the next couple months but you know as listeners kind of hear this stuff is if there's other things you want to hear us uh talk about you know please feel free uh to put something out there on facebook um you know comment on our page there let us know what you think and you know give us some suggestions as well we're we're more than willing to kind of uh consider that as well but i had a really fun time with uh this week's uh, or this month's, sorry, not week, When I can't do this every week, um, this month's topic.
1: Yay, yeah, good job, and thanks again to Andy for cracking the whip and getting us organized. We've recorded two months in a row now, and we have, as Andy said, topics going forward. Next month will be our the annual year-end review, which uh, is always fun to do, so uh, I'm glad we're, we're back to recording and, uh, and doing this again. So thanks again to Andy for keeping us organized.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys still were all into doing it, um, and I realized that that's kind of what I was going to take because um, I really do like doing this. So um, hopefully, we'll, I it was funny when I was looking up 125. I was like, man, you might. I'm going to have to go back and just make sure we don't start talking about the same things again. But we'll we'll, I'll, we'll do our best.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we've rolled through five new listeners, right? Like the five <laughs> listeners we had back then are probably yeah. new now, except for yeah. Dan. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we get a few. We get a few new ones every once in a while. Dan will or, never leave us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's got time to kill. Yeah. All right. Um. So that'll that'll bring us out of the the Thunderdome uh, and to the end of the show. Um. I don't know, Ian, if you if there, you have any closing comments, things that you might want to um, pitch for Geek Nation tours.
1: Um. Trying to think of what terraces the Decepticon tour. uh Adepticon tour sold out. Uh so too late suckers uh maybe gen con <laughs> yeah i'm not sure my my brain's still fried from coming back from the other one. No uh, worries, no we, worries we'll have, we can we'll always have...
0: we can always edit it in,
1: <laughs> yeah, but. Just go to GeekNationTours.com dot uh, com and, and see what Terrace has got going. I know he 's got frostgrave that 's going to be a cool uh, trip to Estonia. I think that one might be sold out too, but anyway there 's all kinds of cool stuff. Terrace went to wasteland weekend, the immersive oh. like Mad Max apocalypse thing. He said it was insane. The we are building were awesome yeah we 're building a tour for that, so look for that to go on sale you 'll be able to go to that in September of two thousand and twenty that 's going to be a crazy tour i 'm not running that one. Um, but um, but I am help, helping build that one, and Terrace went to scout it and said it was just an amazing time. So, yeah, just check out Geek Nation Tours. There's there's always awesome stuff, and the next year's uh, D&D Tour will go on sale here in a little while, so plenty of fun stuff to do.
3: Are there really any cool trips to Estonia? Uh, I
1: think I'm kidding. I, I think Estonia, yeah, Estonia looks really cool. Um, yeah, it looks cool. And is it, that it's where cool. Doom
2: is from?
0: Doom? Doctor, like, is that where it was? No, oh, no, Doctor Doom, he's Lot- from Latveria, yeah. It no. yeah. was just yeah. another joke. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> if you want more Doctor Doom uh, comments and commentary, uh, check out Hero Man and Sidekick Boy with Andy and I, where we talk about comic books.
3: And if you want more 40k content, listen to 40k Radio.
1: Yeah, oh. I and also. If you do... want to
3: hear about Kickstarters? <laughs> our <show> podcast <laughs> No longer happens. So go find it. Go find the old episodes, both of them. <laughs> that's
0: right. Forgot about that. Oh, that made me laugh a little bit too much. All right, well, thank you guys all. Uh, It was another great episode, uh, and I look forward to uh, joining you all again next month uh, for our year-end review.
1: Yay! Thank you,
0: Andy. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. We'll see you next month. Until then, let your geek flag fly. You've been listening to Nerd Herders, a part of the Freebooters Network. All song and movie clips are the property of their respective owners, and no challenge of ownership is implied. We use those clips because we're fans, so please don't sue us. Please check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours. You can find us on Twitter, at Nerd Herders Show, and on Facebook, under the Nerd Herders Podcast. You can also reach us by email at hosts at nerdherderspodcast.com. Special thank you to our editor and producer, Justin Stino, alex No league douches were harmed during the making of this episode.